Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and I'm here as always with my friends, Father Chuck and Matt Wells. Hey, guys. Hey. We're all here today, and this week we are going to talk about um, No Strings Attached, starring Natalie Portman, and Friends with Benefits, starring Mila Kunis. There is a dynamic difference between those two, and I feel like a lot of people get those movies mixed up. So we're here to inform the public of the difference and which one is better. Chuck, which one did you prefer? I got to go with Mila Kunis on this one, John. Okay. Uh, why, why is that? Because it's Mila Kunis. I don't know. I, haven't, I didn't see either movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could keep this joke going a lot longer. <laughs> I just finished a wedding. It's not happening. <laughs> it's all good, man. I've never opened up on a, on a bit before. So. It's funny. It was a good bit. <laughs> I just watched um, <clears throat> I just watched Bad Moms with Kana. So oh. That's why I had to lean a little toward Mila, um, you know, because she's fresh in the memory. We watched it yeah. like a couple days ago, um, which is I know you guys are going to appreciate this, that I managed to find time to watch Bad Moms, but I still yet to see Cap- or Dr. Strange. <laughs> that's true. Well, you, so you haven't seen Doctor Strange yet. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Doctor Strange or Arrival. Kane and I are planning on seeing Arrival soon. Uh, I really want to see Arrival. Yeah, we're going to try to go see it at, at, at IPIC, which is the very nice theater here in Boca. We have a gift card, too. Yeah, we have nice. time to go to movies. <laughs> hey, listen here, officer friendly. You know, if you if you didn't want to go and 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 be a be a servant of the of the public, you could go see movies. Six. I, I can see a movie in six months. Matt, when when you become an officer, can on your first day on the beat, can you wear like one of those really tall police hats and just like twirl around a baton and be like, "Oh, hello, I'm Officer Wells." You want to do your Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> can we? Can we have him as I was a guest? More like, the, more like an Irish cop from like New York in the turn of the century, but he could he could pop in and pay a visit to um, um, Browning and Post's Pipes and Curiosities. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners don't know about that. Oh, I come in here looking for a monkey's paw. You got one. <laughs> you got to be selling a monkey paw. It's illegal. For the listeners who have no idea what the heck is going on, JP and I, for a few years now, have had this recurring joke that we were going to start a podcast called, um, that was like an old-timey radio show kind of thing called um, Browning and Post's Pipes and Curiosities, and it was just going to be us being old-timey, xenophobic, um, talking about you know, all the curiosities that we find in our various travels and adventures around the world. I mean, imagine like monocles and pith helmets and a room full of like Rocking animal head. heads as we as we clean our pipes and talk about our <laughs> our many, many travels as very, we read fine leather books and a very, all a very colonial style, you know. And sensitivity anyway yeah basically uh, like 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 bombay do you remember that store in the mall bombay they used to sell like all that like world oh, yeah. furniture yeah yeah nice. i guess now that's like the z gallery and that's like where we're at yeah yeah so this week um i wish we could have seen all seen arrival together because this week we're talking about language and communication right and that's what arrival is basically about um but this is actually something that came up while we were recording <clears throat> last podcast. 
um, or at least not while we were recording, but during the last time we were together, I had mentioned that I wish we had mentioned something about um, how I kind of believe that communication in our country is sort of lacking. Chuck and Matt thought we should run with it. So we're going to run with it this week. Do you guys, you know, what's, I think this is great that we're talking about this because like, it's like, like I've, I've, I've reiterated many times, we're all writers here. Uh, so we're very in love with the English language. We're cozy with it. What do you guys think? Do you think that um, we have a fundamental communication problem in our country right now? Are you are you saying that what we have here is a failure to communicate? As that cool hand Luke? hanging fruit, yeah. <laughs> it's a famous line for Cool Hand Luke, man. Come on, is, yeah, yeah. Matt, what do you think? So I missed <laughs> everything you were talking about. Everything. I wasn't communicating. I was zoning out. I was not active listening. Oh my gosh! Well, I, was, I feel like I, what I hear you saying, Matt. I was a bad receiver. Is that what? What, was what, were, you, what were you going to say, Chuck? Oh, I was just making the joke because you talked about active <laughs> listening. When I took active listening classes in seminary, it was like the like the, the like the catchphrase for that is, "Well, what I hear you saying is," oh. and I reiterate something that I think nice. I hear you saying. Like what I hear you saying is that you um, would like to communicate. But we're unable to, based off of various outside factors that inhibited your ability to communicate. Would I be correct in, in that assumption, Matt? Um, well, well, yes. When you say that I was unable to communicate even though I would like to, but there were outside factors interfering, you would have been correct, sir. I, I, Matt, but I do. You guys I, are doing. Are doing. I so do well want to hold on. Hold on, JP. Just give me a moment here. I just want to say, Matt, that I'm detecting from you a bit of hostility. That's what I'm hearing, and I would like. That maybe we maybe we should explore where that hostility is coming from. I would say that when you detect this said hostility like, yes. of which you are speaking, um, you're making it up in your head. Therefore, the problem lies with you, sir. <laughs> See now, what you're doing here, Matt, is you are turning the question around back on me, and we're not talking about me here. We're talking about you. All right. So can we can we covenant? Can we covenant here to agree that we're here to talk about you and not about me right now? No, I, I, I would believe that when you say that we're here to talk about me, you are incorrect because I was actually here to talk about you. So I cannot agree to your terms to, of, <laughs> of this agreement. What are you doing? <laughs> and JP's just twirling a mustache. He's trying to make it like a handlebar. He's got like a creepy smile on his face while doing so. Um there's really a factor. There's an element to this uh, program, um, dear listener, that you miss out on with not without seeing the interactions <laughs> that happen off camera or off mm. mic or whatever the heck we want to say. Trying here. to make handlebars, and I'm not quite. It's not. Not quite right. You look like you should be riding on a penny farthing. Hmm. <laughs> quite yes. Mm, post. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that was a actually a magnificent display of communication, guys. Um, <laughs> we used all of our active listening skills and accomplished nothing. So absolutely nothing. Except uh, further to further offend each other. <laughs> but I think I feel like that was the intention. I feel like that was the intention. So uh, you, you achieved something. <laughs> we achieved something. You both got on each other's nerves through communication. So yes, no communication problem in uh, the old U.S. of A. Oh, totally. And I don't mean like a breakdown of like different languages because of different ethnicities. I mean the ability 
to communicate with one another. Um, we we straight don't communicate. And that's I mean, I think this election, you know, I'm sure by now everyone is sick of talking about the election. I know I am. But I, I do want to say that, um, I, as we mentioned in the last episode, that one of the things we learned is that half the country feels unlistened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that what it's come down to is, I mean, social media, right? I mean, this is something The Daily Show pointed out, that that like as Trevor Noah on the daily show said, this is chances are, if you're watching my program, you're not seeing this other stuff that's going on with like the blazed, um, uh, internet TV network and like different like commentators and stuff there that there really is two Americas. And that's like a thing that like politicians have been talking about for a long time, but it is actually true based off of the way that social media algorithms and stuff work that we can inhabit completely two different spheres and never interact with each other. And when we do interact with each other, we just sort of roll our eyes and get irritated and we hide each other or unfollow each other or block each other in social media. So there is no way for us to actually communicate. And that's because, I mean, I mean, for a number of reasons. One is Twitter, Facebook, these are probably the worst ways to actually communicate with each other. <laughs> um, but, the, but, 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 but the simple fact is, yeah, we live in a country where, where we're not we're not talking. And, and furthermore, I don't think we know how to talk to each other because we have entrenched ourselves into our own respective orthodoxies and we're unwilling to try to have a dialogue, which requires vulnerability and humility and grace. And nobody wants that because all we want to do is say that the other person's wrong. That's probably true. I think social media plays a pretty big part in a breakdown in communication. Uh, Matt, do you think so? Um, I'm Matt's sorry, I, was, I, I wasn't listening. I was looking for the, the best GIF to post on our conversation. Um, <laughs> or perhaps a meme. Uh, you a know meme what? Market. I don't care what anybody says. I think I think GIFs are a great way to communicate. And <laughs> I've done it very effectively. I've made tons of people laugh. Lots of lulls have been achieved. <laughs> Lots of lulls um, have been achieved. Is, is this where we start? Is this where we can start talking about lulls. BuzzFeed and their assault on the English language? Well, I want to hear what Matt has to say. Uh, do you think social media is, is partly to blame for a, a breakdown of communication or is, or has communication always been broken in our country? I think yes. I think that the uh, language and communication has already been breaking down and social media and the internet is just another byproduct of that. But I mean, if you go back to when we were going through school and stuff, you already saw the like language and communication breaking down like mm-hmm. like the fact that i just used the word like six times in the last two <laughs> minutes um we are we already saw it it was already happening you know the 90s butchered the english language have you guys ever seen the movie uh the great dictator no no nope. uh, charlie chaplin no 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 how are you my friends i don't understand um Charlie Chaplin movie, and it's kind of known for this really great speech that he gives at the end of the movie. It's on YouTube. Look it up. It's uh, it's actually quite wonderful. And one of the things he mentions in it is he says that um, now more than ever, we are we're, we're all connected to each other because of the airplane and the radio. But if these things don't have humanity attached to them, they're only going to make us worse. So do you think that Social media, the reason why it's sort of breaking down communication is because less and less humanity is sort of being injected into it. 
these days when I signed when I signed up to Facebook or to Twitter, I just see like think pieces, fake news, articles, memes, cat videos. There's no real conversation going on. You, you're mentioning this makes me think of, and I'm trying to pull it up right now. So give me a second. So a theologian that I'm that I've mentioned a few times in here is um, is John Milbank, right? And he said a couple of days ago because he's had some interesting posts in response to the election. Yeah. And here's what he says. Um, one of his tweets from the other day, from November 15th, he says, for a true post-liberalism, so society past liberalism, technology must be strictly subordinated to art and science. To, and, uh, to, to Technology must be strictly subordinated to art and science to metaphysics. Without this, everything will die. And then he goes on, and then he has another tweet that he gave right before that. He says, we need to consider a linkage of ecology to populism, shared concern for local priority and for subordinating automation to human needs. So uh, so his, from his theological and philosophical standpoint, he's agreeing with what you're saying, or with Charlie Chaplin saying, is this idea that this technology has to be connected to something deeper than itself. Right. And I think you're right that with social media – We've seen a loss of empathy in our society, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've seen this 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 sort of um, abstracting of other human beings because we just focus on each other as avatars rather than as like we forget there's another person, right? There was an article I saw the other day that um, I, I've been meaning to read. I need to try to track it down, but it's something that says that like. How we treat non-player characters in video games says a lot about the kind of person that we are in real life. I think I've seen that, actually. And I, it, but yeah. and I think part of it is that that's what we do, is that we treat other people on the internet as non-player characters. We forget the, there's another person behind that. For the record, I'm super nice to non-player characters. Yeah, no, you and I have talked about that on this podcast <laughs> before, about how both of us have felt guilty when like bystanders have innocently died in, in Skyrim. <laughs> Kind of goes hand in hand with the old, the old saying of you know, it's kind of easy to be to say whatever you want when you're. Well, I mean, it's not even anonymous anymore. They said that a lot when you can be remain pretty anonymous on the internet. Now it's not so much. Yeah, I mean, there's that that face to face kind of thing. Like there's just stuff that you wouldn't say to someone's face that you would say online. And it's starting to make starting to make me wonder: is it is it what we've all been talking about? You know, we've all been saying oh, it's it's because you're in a you're in a comfortable area. You know, you're not face to face with them. Is it because of that, or are we just losing empathy? I mean, I think it's probably a combination. I think that we forget that there's somebody on the other end because we want to forget that there's somebody on the other end. Um, mm. It's not because we actually do. It's because I choose to be detached from it and to not think about. Like, I know there's a person on the other end of what I'm typing, but I choose not to think about them as an actual person. I choose not to think of this as somebody with a life and with a brain who is thinking and trying to figure stuff out. Instead, I attack them as a an idea, as an image. And when I say I, 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 I don't actually mean me because I... One thing I pride myself on is I just don't usually write on the internet <laughs> toward people, <laughs> so um, I don't I don't often attack. But 
society has kind of lost the desire to think about the other person, and therefore we forget the other person on the other end. Well, Matt, something you said, um, if you allow me to interject, JP, something that you said that got me thinking a little bit is, you know, you said that you don't, you don't usually direct stuff at people on, on social media. And I would, I mean, you know, you and I have been friends for a very long time and that's something absolutely true. I mean, you've written a few things on the internet, but you've never written any, I've never seen you comment on like a Facebook post and like actually address like a person. Like I've just not seen that from you. So, I mean, he's commented on mine a few times. I just want to put that out there. I mean, well, right. But I'm saying like, I post, I post pretty good content. So, (laughs) right. But he, I'm saying like, I've never seen go after somebody. Right. I don't don't have keyboard wire moment. Right. He's (laughs) he's not like friend of the show. Keelan, (laughs) who is, who is, who is our like sub zero on the internet. Yeah. I've had, I've had had two, sorry, but I've had two moments I can think of in my life where I wrote towards somebody on, on the internet. One of them, it was a blog I had and they asked me straightforward questions. So I wrote back. Um, and the other one was in regard to my book and I, went back and forth with somebody for a little bit about the book and then moved on. So I, would, uh, so I can only so, think of two times I directed something at somebody in that sense. So the reason I, the reason I bring that up is because both JP and I have done this stuff, even fairly recently, maybe more recent for me than J- I don't know. But in an, in an attempt for us to be really honest about it, what have we tried to achieve you know, I mean, I think like we've actually engaged in these behaviors. I think JP, you and I would both be really honest and admit that we've been complete jerks to people on the internet before. Oh yes. <laughs> and so, when we do that, what is it that we're trying? Like, are 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 we? Do we, would we say that we were trying to diminish someone's humanity, or just, or just sort of forget about it and ignore it? Um, I do it for the same reason I do most of the things in my life, which is to get more people to like me. No, I'd actually, I've actually been, um, I, I, I struggle with it. It's something I, I often fight the urge to because in my early days in high school, um, I was very vocal on the internet because there was that anonymity back then that there isn't really much of now, or at least we thought there was, <laughs> could, could have just been lying to ourselves. It was on AOL. So, you know. All, all that's right. probably recorded. That part is still kind of in there. Like I get like upset if I if I like I'm on Twitter or yeah. on Reddit. Like I do have the urge to argue with people. I'm very good at not doing it, especially since when I do, like I immediately regret it um, because I, I that right. that that sort of post um, vomiting. There is like, what were you trying to do, JP? Like, what, what did you think was going to happen? Like, do you feel better? Yeah. No, you don't. Um, but there are sometimes. Uh, Lately, I kind of feel like my conduct has been better because I've been getting more positive responses. Right. Um, And it's actually kind of funny because uh, a few days ago, um, someone I follow on Twitter retweeted something about um, a podcaster had said that that she she retweeted an article about how the alt-right was going to flood Facebook with memes and articles and all this kind of like crappy racist stuff. And she's like, what are we going to counter flood with? And I actually responded, which I don't normally do, but I actually had an intent here. I responded with, 
Um, how about I, I said that I don't think counter flooding is the answer. Maybe we should try talking to people or maybe we should try talking. And it actually got a positive um, actually got a positive response. Well, that's good. Um, but again, that's that's sort of part of, I think, the solution. Um, there is that sort of. Uh, I don't know, there is sort of a movement to just like yell at each other with memes right now, especially right now. Right. Which memes, accomplishes absolutely nothing. Memes, articles, uh, videos, all the stuff to like really show your stance. And like, it's, it's like just whoever stacks higher than one or the other. And actually it's kind of funny. I saw my, I saw my cousin keyboard warrior the other day. Um, not my cousin who it's me record. I saw her get into a keyboard keyboard warrior fight with somebody and it was like pathetic because it was just like one up in each other and just accomplished nothing. Except right. They well, just brought the worst out of both of them. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's a point that I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to say like, I think for me, when I've engaged in this kind of crap, like my constant, I don't know, constant, but my, my consistent struggle in it when I've dealt with, when I've, when I've engaged in whatever we call an internet dialogue, if that's, a, if that is even a thing is that my struggle is with trying to, with trying to be, to, to try to win. Yeah. Like two things is to win and to say something that I know that all the people on my side are going to give me a bunch of likes and are going to cheer me on. And it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that great, um, that great, great if gif image was like a, like a rap battle where like everybody's cheering. Um, <laughs> and the one kid loses his mind. I love it. Yeah. Like, that's like the thing, like I, I, in the back of my mind that I want. And like, as a Christian, I have to realize like, that's not right. You know, my stance should be for what I believe is true not for what's going to get me the most like social validation or whatever. And sometimes we forget that truth and validation are not the same things. Right. You know, truth is not a democratically elected reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, the, um, there was something else you had said um, before I was talking about that. You were talking about, Oh, when you're talking about like the whole idea of flooding social media, and then you were saying that we should listen to people yeah, you listen, know, makes, we, should, we should talk to people yeah. instead of flood them with crap. It makes me think about this story that I read online. I think I shared it with you guys a few months ago. Um, it's a story about a guy who is an older, older African-American gentleman who has actively engaged with members of the Ku Klux Klan and befriended them. Like he finds clan members, like active clan members and becomes their friends and starts having conversations with them. And like one of the things in his house that he's very proud of is he has a wall of clan hoods that he has received from all the guys that he has befriended and got them to leave the Ku Klux Klan just through friendship with them. Hmm. And then there was a young, a younger African-American guy okay. who yeah, I remember this article. You actually sent it. To yeah, me. I read it. Yeah. Or who, it's a video, I guess. Who 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 got upset with him and said that it's not enough you know and that he's and that by by having conversations with these folks like he's you know sort of like normalizing them or validating them or something you know and he even he even makes the statement he says you know he's not as woke as me um and which i'm thinking like you're like 22 years old bro like you're not woke there's no way you're woke at 22 years old just it's impossible um but it's like I remember hearing, I remember reading that and, he's being, and I think I shared it with you because it frustrated me to think like, here's a guy who it, it's a very slow process, but he has results. He is making friends and he is getting people to leave the Ku Klux Klan 
right. and this other guy who just wants to yell and just wants to go to protest and just wants to like make this big spectacle out of it. And yeah, he's raising awareness and doing things that are probably really good in the long run. Um, but does he have anything to show for it? Like, can he point to his wall of clan hoods and say, these are the number of people that I've got to leave this thing. And I think like, list, like listening is difficult, time consuming, frustrating work. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, it's work that see, that that yields visible, tangible results. You know, maybe it doesn't look good on TV because you don't have like cops coming at you and in riot gear and able to kind of expose the militarization of the police and all that kind of stuff. So, like I said, I'm not discrediting the work of some of these other folks, but I think the question has to be: Is what are we trying to accomplish with this? I mean, if you're trying, if the ultimate goal is to get people to leave racist organizations like the Ku Klux Klan then that guy's got it. Like that guy's doing it right? because he's got, he's got their clan hoods to prove that befriending people actually results in change. And so I think, so actually communicating with people is intensely important in our society. And I think you're right that it's way more important than spamming social media with, with like a meme dump and then a counter meme dump and just trying to out yell each other. Right. Um, and furthermore, it's a, to me, it's also a complete lack of understanding of how the mathematics and algorithmic programming of Facebook works. Like you on the alt-right flooding time, your Facebook timeline with memes. Well, the only people going to see that are other alt-right people, mm-hmm. you know, like a chamber. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I realized about social media these days. And just recently is you're just yelling into an echo chamber that like profound post that you found that like one news article that's going to like, you know, that's going to sew this whole thing up just tightly and perfect. They're not going to hear it. They're not going to see it because the people who me- that it's meant for is not going to get to them. It's a, it's the same way. And, and I think Matt would probably agree with me on this one. It's the same way that I feel about religious tracts that like, Oh yeah. yeah. So many of our of our religious tracts and a lot of that kind of approach to evangelism, the end result of that is just the only people you ever meet are other Christians. Matt, I have a question for you. Okay, question for Matt. How many times have you converted somebody with a tract? <laughs> uh, don't ask those questions on here. Don't get in trouble. Don't, <laughs> don't start problems. Is that is that a blacklist question? No, that's just looking to poke people though <laughs> you're just you're i mean you're posting your to memes. be fair i just i'm actually kind of curious now have you like is it have you done that no i haven't personally no <laughs> i mean to be fair you don't know matt you don't know they they have like they may have picked the track up like three or four days later i don't and think that sinner's prayer I, I might get in trouble i don't think i've ever actually used one. Oh really uh, yeah. i think I don't know if this counts. There was a time, Matt, or at least I think you were there. You and I, back in high school, we went to uh, the South Florida Fair for the, uh, what's that book, the, the Book of Colors? Oh, the Wordless Book? The Wordless Book. Does that does that count? Kind of, but no. I feel like that was more, that was more made to be a conversation starter than a track. That's, that's true. A track is more like... I'm going to hand this to you so that it'll do all the work and I don't have to. Here, you throw this away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to quote Mitch Hedberg, yeah, here, you throw this away. Um, <laughs> oh, the, word, no. the wordless book, I feel like, was more, and it was, 
I think it it really it really worked with like kids, and I think it was just right, more. Right. I think it was just more a way to start talking. So you kind of go through this whole idea, and then you talk about it. So I was Guys. so bad at it. What I was gonna. I was so prepared because, like, every day of my life, I carry a wordless book with me. Really? <laughs> but for some reason, it's not in my pocket today. Like I was, I, I tried to just fish it out because uh, when you guys talk about, it, I was gonna pull out and be like, "Oh, you this?" Because like I, I literally carry one with me every day. No, you don't. Really? I, I do. <laughs> because you just never know, man. You just never know. Are you, are you really serious right now? Or are you, are I am dead me? serious. Like it started to fall apart the other day. I taped it back up. It's really funny. It's the one that I used to use. Like when I, I took, it's been to Jamaica with me. It's been with me so many places. It was, in, I, it was in a box for a while. I dug I've, it out, and yeah. I never knew this about you, Chuck. I had no yeah, idea dude. that you. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared that I lost it. I gotta, I gotta find that. Gosh, it's so funny. I, you know, I think it's actually, I think it'd be kind of funny to talk about uh, like, like that sort of evangelism while we talk about communication because. Um, I sucked at it. I was always very bad at it. And I always saw myself in positions where like, JP, go evangelize to somebody. And those 16-year-old JP is like, um, okay. <laughs> well, my, my church growing up every year did a what we call the soul winning school where it was a week long. Every night for a week, they taught you all kinds of stuff about how to do – door-to-door evangelism and it culminated with friday night where we would drive out you were given like addresses the church would hand you addresses and you would drive out with like the people that you were training on how to be soul winners and you would go and evangelize people my mom was like a trainer for this and she's got some great stories about like going into apartments with like these like little like like super church girls and there being like a Glock on a coffee table with like some lines of blow and like having conversations with them about Jesus and like, just like being exposed to this is insane stuff. Um, but, um, but that was something that was a huge part of my growing up. Like I've done this countless times. Yeah. I, I was always very bad at it. I would try one person, they would reject me and I would just kind of like hang out until it's over <laughs> especially yeah. with a wordless book that was that was whew. really i found the wordless book so easy that was not good for my anxiety no not for a 17 year old gp no <laughs> the thing is is like i found as i mentioned kind of already earlier in doing all of that i found more christians than i ever found non-christians and i also am at a point in my life where i don't think that what that proclaims is the accurate message of Jesus, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other episode of this show that we could do someday. Right, right. Um, but no, I mean, like, but but I think ultimately what it boils down to, JP, is the same kind of thing. Like, aren't memes and liberal echo chamber and Huffington Post articles and all of that, like, aren't these things basically tracks for whatever your cause is? And you think that, like, as Matt said, these are the things that are going to do the work for you. Like you, I mean, honestly, like I, I know I've been guilty of this. Like you post an article that you think is so profound that if somebody just reads it, it's going to change their whole perspective on everything. And it never does. The only people who read that crap are the people who already agree with you and they like it. And right. that like sets up some dopamine in your brain and you're like, awesome. Like I'm loved. People like me more, spend more time on Facebook. 
That's true. I mean, it, it's kind of like a, a track for your for yourself. I think subconsciously, it's a track for yourself, but you kind of think you're doing a favor. You're really just like, it's kind of like just reassuring yourself and, and your beliefs. And I don't know, it's kind of like validation in a way. Yeah, and I think that's really what it all boils down to is validation. I mean, I, I think of like what Jesus says to the Pharisees at one point. He talks when he calls them whitewashed tombs. He talks about how the Pharisees will like go completely out of their way. Like they'll go miles for like a possible convert, but they won't bother to feed the hungry that are like right there in front of them, you know? And I think like, and it's all because they can somehow gloat in the process. And that's what Jesus criticizes them for, you know? And I, I, I see that so often in the church where, you know, we go out of our way to do this stuff and it's really also, we can pat ourselves on the back mm-hmm. and say, I was the one who did this work. Not like, oh great, like somebody found Jesus. It's like, I brought these people to Jesus. I brought 45 people to Jesus on this trip. I did that, you know? And I, I mean, I think like, I mean, it's probably not the case for everybody, but I think it's a big factor that we have to be, that we have to be aware of. And outside of the evangelism world, it's exactly the same kind of thing that we do in social media because we want to convert people. We, you know, if we're, if we're on the left, we want to convert people from the right. If we're on the right, we want to convert, convert people from the left. We want them to see the plain infallible truth of the thing that we believe in. And if we can convert them, then man, that strokes our ego because, because we were the one to bring them over. We got to do the thing that no politician or idea or ideologue or news organization or anything was able to do. I was able to do that through whatever means. And it becomes a pride thing. Uh, we often forget what like the true intention is behind these articles being posted online. And it's for, um, to, because they're, they're hoping to go viral. Yeah. The intention is for that to be on your Facebook page and to collect likes. Every time I've ever posted something, I'm terrified that it's going to go viral. <laughs> Virality? Is that a word? Virality? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> um, freaks me out, man, because, like, I don't want to, like, post something and then, like, wake up the next day and find out that, like, a thousand people have read it and weighed in on it and it's become, like the source of like at least two think pieces and like I'm somehow like the worst person in the world to one group of people and the best person in the world to the other. Like what a horrible reality. That that, that almost happened to me on uh, the day after election day. I, I was on Twitter and I, I made the tweet by Felicia and I tagged 538. Yeah. And um, it got retweeted by Movie Bob, who's a, a film critic that follows me. Nice. And he has a very, very, very vocal fan base. And he retweeted it. And it was already like it was it started spreading like right away. Retweets, likes. I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. And then like the first. Well, what's that supposed to mean? Like, oh, <laughs> like here it comes. And I was like, yeah, I don't get the point. Like, well, why? Why are you saying by Felicia to 538? They didn't do anything wrong. I was like, oh, it's just a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. But again, like I'm not going to spend five hours on Twitter trying to explain to people that I was trying to make a joke. So I, I deleted it like right away. Right. Yeah. Like, that's my fear. Like to do anything that like because you suddenly have to like defend it and deal with crap around it and deal with all the people who don't understand it. And like, you know, we live in such a like an overly sensitive society where everything is scrutinized and argued to the finest, you know, letter and emphasis. It's just it's ridiculous. So are you not afraid that our podcast will go viral, Chuck? I'm fine with the podcast going viral, Um, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I never really thought about it. (laughs) It'll happen one day, guys. 
God. One I day. Mean, like we're going to be like, I don't know. Like I think I think I might handle fame like Kurt Cobain did. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you think there's a solution to fixing our communication problem? Like, yeah, communicate better. <laughs> does that does that solve communication issues if you communicate better? <laughs> oh my God, he's totally right. Communicate See? more good. See, it's, communicate gooder. <laughs> <laughs> Me fail English? That's impossible. It's from The Simpsons. <laughs> it's a Ralph Wiggum quote. No, I know. I mean, I really, I don't have like a profound answer for how to communicate better. I mean, the truth is, all joking aside, you just communicate better. As far as how society goes, you need to talk more and interact with each other more instead of attacking. It needs to be an interaction and a conversation. As far as, I mean, if you want to talk about language, that's a, that's a different, different topic. Right. But communication, yeah. um, honestly, I, I mean, yeah, just communicate better. That's the answer. Talk more. You, be more you know open what I think? and back you, and forth instead of one way. Right. You know what I think is, a, I think is part of the solution? And this is something that I, I've tried very hard to do, especially with this election cycle, um, is to have thoughts and communicate ideas that are not talking points that everyone hears on 24-hour news or in those Facebook articles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try to like kind of go outside the box, because I feel like that's all... I mean, it got to a point with this election cycle where it's like, I know if I say this sentence to this person, they're going to counter with this sentence, and I will counter with this sentence, and like it'll exactly go that way, because it's all just talking points and rhetoric, right? Right. And it's exhausting, <laughs> and it's not helping the communication process. Right. I, I, yeah, it's the inability to articulate like a coherent actual thought problem I, I often have by certain people, but I'm saying by like certain key groups of people that like, like seriously, like cannot communicate beyond talking points. Right. I mean, case in point, like, you know, I posted a couple, like I talked about last week, I posted a couple things a day after the election. And like, I had a couple of folks who commented on it in such a way that like, they clearly didn't get what we were trying to get at here because it didn't fit into the talking points. Yeah, I think Matt Matt's right. I mean, the solution is just be better at it. How we be better at it? That's up to that's that's I guess up to some degree. See, of debate, you see, I but... wasn't see, I wasn't checked out. I was listening. It's just the, the, there's only one answer to how do you communicate better. It's it's simple. You just do it. You communicate better. You talk to each other instead of at each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. You all took English classes, you know. Oh no! See, you had an the, English teacher. English classes. That's a, see. That's a whole other thing. If you want to talk about the butchering of the English language, that's another topic <laughs> let's, entirely. Let's, let's talk about that. I want to um, talk about that. Communication, <laughs> communication, yeah. and butchering the language are two totally different things. Although at the same time, I would argue they do play into each other. I think yeah. as we butcher our language, our communication well, falls apart we, too. We, we we have to be careful with that though, right? Because there's butchering the English language, and then there's like what teenagers do, which is just being teenagers, right? We did right. it too. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. very kind to the English language when I was 15 years old. Yeah, no, I've actually seen. Well, there's butchering I... it and there's slang. 
Um, right. uh, and slang is, it comes and goes and there's waves of what, what's in and what's out, like the word cool or radical or, you know, all that kind of stuff that came and went, um, yeah. or epic, which is a complete misunderstanding of the word epic, I mean, but you're... became its own thing. Yeah. Or um, how about this one? Amazing. Oh amazing. God. Can I, <laughs> JP knows, JP knows my feelings on the word amazing. That was a epidemic. On our campus, oh, that was like for a while. That was like an evangelical like buzzword that just ultimately just came to mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> now, now, um, now we do life together. Oh gosh, and love on each other. Do love life together. Other. Do life together is the, one of the new ones. Yeah. Um, do, well, we I just actually, want, we just want to get these kids and love on them and do life together. Yeah, I actually think <laughs> that it's starting to go out finally. But do life together made me so angry. It, it just did. Um, that's just like that's just wrong. Like that's not even like correct. It doesn't even like, make not... sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Anyways, Mr. Um, Corbett would not like that. Live life, well, live live life. Do we do life? Some life is something I do now. I, yeah, I, I um, <laughs> I mean, you talk about teenagers. I mean, I did use slang and stuff. I think probably mostly ironically. I don't know, but I was the kid that like I would spell if I had the option to spell a word in an English like British English spelling, I always did. So like I always added the U to color. <laughs> I'm surprised, but I shouldn't be. <laughs> well, I think, I think, uh, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that one. But, I mean, that's like the, the op that you went like the other way. Like, uh-huh. You tried to like oh. put, make it more high class, more more back oh, to the dude. real, the real English. There was a period of time oh, there. You know, oh, you know. Until I discovered before I discovered it was before I discovered beat poetry. Yeah. You know, it's it is it's kind of because I kind Which, of did the same. The smuggest thing I've ever said in my life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Before I discovered beat poetry. Well, there was the whole Japanese theology moment, but we'll we'll move on. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know, it's, I, it's... I, I a Japanese theologian in my sermon on Sunday. There you go. It's about time. Well, what I mean, do you have to say about language in our, in our country, Chuck? Right now, the state of language. I don't know, man. I just want to. I just want to complain. I just want to be an old man and complain about BuzzFeed for a little while here, <laughs> and like complain about the stuff that I hate. Like, I like I texted to you earlier in our kind of prep. Which, by the way, this is the first episode of this show that I've done like extensive notes on, and we've done <laughs> nothing with the notes that I have. But that's all right. Um, is how much how how much I hate two words right now on the internet, and that is. Yes. Y A S S S S S S. And the other is is when people say nah in A H. Like uh, in uh. communication, I get it. If you're gonna be like, you know, do you want to go to Chipotle or nah? Like, okay, that's fine. It's like it's a it's an urban street slang thing, whatever. That's that's fine. It makes zero sense to write that in text because it's the same number of letters in O T in A H. It's not easier to type nah. So why are you doing it? It makes zero sense to me. You're definitely accomplishing the old man thing. That's... Oh gosh, I could go on forever <laughs> with this, but like, oh, it just it it just drives me completely nuts. Like, even more than text speak. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which also weird because I you know I I I teach middle school. Um, weird that kids say OMG. Oh yeah. Like they actually say the acronyms. They don't say what the acronym is short for. I'm saying same amount of syllables. It's right. Weird. <laughs> it's weird. 
What do you think, Matt? Do you have any uh, thoughts on language? <laughs> do you have any old man thoughts on how the lang- English language is being butchered? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he just no, said N-A-W. I, um, That's a different word. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have old man thoughts because uh, I think that, that slang can become a problem and can become part of the uh, downward spiral of a language. But I don't mm-hmm. believe slang is the problem. I think that slang is something that's always been around, and it changes, yeah. and it it moves with culture, and it moves with language. I think if you go all the way back to Shakespeare, which people would argue is like probably the height of the English language, um, he used slang all the time. It's just we don't see that as slang anymore because it's it's Shakespeare's words. Um, I think that it's just it's we've lost connection with words. We've lost the the power that we hold with our language. Um, to me, to me, language is the most uh, it's the most powerful thing we have. Our words. Um, I can I can hurt somebody. I could kill somebody. I could. Um, start a war and take on nations but with with words you can entirely destroy somebody's life and legacy and family and like you can tear things apart with a single sentence um or you can or you can speak you can speak something new and exciting and life um with language we can create worlds or we can destroy the one that we live in um it's it's just I think that we lost connection with that, and slang is just a it's just a generational thing. It comes and it goes, but I feel like even that can be used in such a way to express so much more than we do. And ironically, um, I am not necessarily a fan of this type of music personally, just personal preference. But ironically, I think a lot of times in in, in a lot of like the hip hop and rap, you can see where slang is used powerfully um Mm -hmm. and you can see how it's not that slang is destroying language it's that our complete lack of understanding of language is destroying language um slang i think can be a problem and if you let it run rampant it it can kill a language but but yeah i i I just i don't know i i feel like we've lost the power of our words um which goes back to part part of the problem with communication too is I don't when somebody sits down at a keyboard on the internet and tears into the other person they're not thinking about the power of what they're putting out there Um, not thinking about how a sentence can can create or destroy how a word can breathe life or choke life out of somebody Um, they just are typing and I think that's where a lot of our breakdown happens. Is. Well, so I'm glad you mentioned that because that's this is sort of like the big thing that I've been focusing all week on for this episode um, is this. So, so philosophy of language, which I, 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 is 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 a major a major area of study, and um, two people, one person whose work I've read that I really like, and um, and she critiques another person's work. Uh, her name is Catherine Pickstock, and she is a, um, a theologian who works in Oxford. And she has her first um, book, which I believe was her doctoral thesis, is called um, After Writing on the Liturgical Consummation of Philosophy. Is that it? Yeah, it's right here behind me. Um, 
and she's addressing a postmodern philosopher by the name of Jacques Derrida. Um, and and it's, it's about it's about language. Um, Derrida tended to believe that language finds its fullness in writing. That um, that we as a species, his his sort of anthropology around this is that we evolved language. And then we learned how to create symbols to represent that language, and then we put it on paper and record, you know, put it on some kind of substance for posterity. And and so writing is the pinnacle and ultimate purpose of human language; that it finds its fullness, its zenith in in writing. And really, um, you know, Matt, being a, a Disney guy like me at this point, you know, that's the whole Spaceship Earth ride is all about that and how communication finds its zenith in, 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 in written forms and then through commute and then through distribution through commuter, computer networks. Brought to you by AT&T. Um, um, now it's Siemens. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they changed it. There's like, like Steve Wozniak is in it now, but Pickstock makes this case that as Christians, we have to look at language theologically and that it's not purely something that we evolved, but that language is a gift. And even if we're going to talk about evolution, that through the will of a creator God, ultimately everything that has evolved has its origination in a God who was gifting it to us. So even if we evolved it, it's still gift. Um, and so because of that, language is an object in creation. It's a created thing. And all created things are meant by humans to be given back to God. And so for her, liturgy, the language of liturgy, is the is the zenith of of words it's that's the that's the that's the fullest instance of what we can do and why i'm intrigued by this is because it it it, it, to me it helps situate what our words are supposed to be so by giving our words in prayer and praise in a church service it helps us in some ways to understand what our language is supposed to be if it's primarily about prayer and praise then you would hope that people would understand then that we should be using this to better and hurt and, and, and to better each other and to help each other and to um, encourage one another and to proclaim love into the world and to be empathetic and to and to interact rather than like as Matt points out and um, and what Matt was saying sounds a lot like what the gospel or what the letter of uh, Saint James talks about of how like the tongue being such a small member of the body but has you know led to wars and destruction and and all of that um, you would think that that through that through the liturgical through allowing ourselves to be shaped by by by, litur- by liturgy in the liturgy of the church, we would understand the proper the proper place of our language. And that's an idea that really fascinates me, um, because we live in a world, I think, where Derrida's ideas are, are, are sort of, at this point, taken for granted. We think that language, we think of language in terms of text and writing and, um, and that kind of communication, written communication, printed communication. We don't think of language as primarily being about worship. And I think we, I think we really truly start to see a transformation in the world if we recapture that idea, and to reemphasize that idea, because I think intrinsically, when we recognize that something is meant for a holy purpose, we're less likely to use it wrongly. Um, and so I think there's a task ahead of us as the church to 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 to, to do some of that work. Um, 
But anyway, so that's 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 my philosophy piece that I did notes on. So there, that's okay. out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, Chuck. Yeah, um, I, I just I just love language. <laughs> I, I love I love words. I, I agree with uh, I agree with what you're saying, and I think that that's amazing. And your notes are very good. So thank you for sharing. Well, you're welcome. But and I, well, what? Oh, go ahead, Jamie. No, 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 every, no. Everybody, go ahead. No, stall at once. No, you communicate. You no, but but I love. I don't want to sidetrack from what you were saying or think that I that I'm I'm changing, uh, but I'm kind of shifting the topic um, a little. I, I love people who are able to talk about language and writing and stories in a way that's that's almost mystical when yeah. you hear them discuss it. And one of the greatest modern examples of that, to, to talk about another podcast again, is Lore. If you listen, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in the especially in the earlier episodes when he's really getting going and explaining what he's doing. Um, when he will talk about these stories, these myths, these lores, this folklore that's been passed down through generations. And what I always, what creeped me out the most about some of his earliest stuff is not the subject of the story because you're like you know that doesn't that thing doesn't exist but what he would leave you with is the understanding that the 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 subject the monster the mythical being of the story doesn't need to exist for the story itself to shape history and to shape life and to shape the way people are understanding things like right. like a, a a folklore a tale can spread and can shape our world, whether it was true or not. Um, the power of how uh, a story, like he, what I loved about the the podcast lore, I still love it, but in the beginning it was he was on fire with this thing, is that um, he made me afraid of the stories, and I don't mean he made me afraid of the scary story he's telling, I mean he literally made me afraid of stories. Like the fact that if I start a story today and I make something up and it, like Chuck says, goes viral, tomorrow it can have a, have a role in shaping history and the outcome of things after that because of, because like of the Slender Man, because, because of like Slender Man starting. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Same like, by Felicia. Mm. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just, it, it's just the power of words. It, I, it, it has always been something that I've loved and astounded me. And then to hear people that can express it in a way that almost makes it feel, it makes it feel mystical. Well, the thing is, is like, like what you're saying there, Matt, is that, you know, we forget that at least in the English understanding of language, I mean, we're effectively doing an arcane thing. You know, it is an arcane mystical thing. I mean, it's no coincidence that, when we talk about putting individual letters together into forming words, we call that spelling. The word spell is in there. Hmm. You know, um, the word gospel, it means good spell, you know? And so within English, that, that idea is there that we are, that, that communication is again, an arcane mystical thing. We are affecting the created world. Do I mean, and in, 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 in Judaism, this is huge. Because, you know, this is something that's kind of crazy to me is like when we think of the word word, 
I've talked about this a lot in sermons in church. So if any of my parishioners are listening, you've heard this before. But like when we think of the word word, our primary, fo- our prim- our probably our, chances are we think of a printed thing. We probably see the letters W O R D in our heads when I say the word word. But for most of the ancient world and for most of human history, the word word would have been less about the eyes and more about the ears. Because words were heard, not read, because most people weren't literate. And in Judaism, words are breath, and breath is a bit of the soul. And so words have life, and they have a connection to the life of the person who says them. And so by speaking words out into God's creation, you are affecting creation. Well, I mean, I mean, the Bible starts with, with God speaking creation into existence right. in the first place. Um, right. And I don't think that that's... Um, I think that you would be, whether you believe a literal translation of Genesis or not, you would be failing to, to not also realize that it is expressing the power of, of words, that, that the Lord spoke and the, that things came into being. And then like you are saying, the connections with word and breath and spirit in the Bible um, God speaks and brings it into creation, and then he breathes his spirit into us that brings us right. to life. And then we are are then called to, to go around being his body here on earth and, and, and speaking into his creation. Um, yeah, I mean, and like, and, like the, and like the philosopher Philo, the Jewish philosopher Philo, who came up with this idea that we call the divine logos, the idea of God's divine word, which has its own life and agency— in creation that then um, John the Evangelist picks up on and uses that to describe Jesus, that yeah, he the is the in, that, that that word has somehow become flesh and blood, um, that divine logos. I mean, crazy, crazy mystical stuff that a lot of us Christians forget about. Yeah, and I and, think that— And just in, in, in just the nature of language in general that we as people forget about. Yeah, and I think that uh, as a Christian today, the— the everyday life application to that understanding is that every word we speak should be done so with purpose. Um, right. It shouldn't be empty and, and hollow words. We should, we should be thinking before we put them out there. Um, because like I said, uh, I, can speak, I can speak words into people's life and, and speak to them, and I can bring encouragement and joy and hope and strength and life through nothing more than words, or I can speak words that tear apart and destroy and segregate. And, um, and we, it's just, we, we forget the power that we have in words. I mean, even, even somebody who's struggling with like an illness, the power you have of walking up to somebody and saying something like, we're right here with you. We're we're gonna go with you through this. We're we're gonna take the journey with you. The power that something like that can have, or if you walk up to somebody and say, "Yeah, man, just give up. Like it, it's time. Right. Just go. Just be done." Um, and the effect that that can have, um, and the words we tell ourselves, our inner dialogue, our our self talk, what we, what I express to myself, the power of those words. I think we lose even more so. Um, the things I allow myself to say to me internally um, will drastically shape the life that I live on the outside. 
Oh, um, totally. So I, I think we just we forget how powerful our words are, and if we remembered that and chose them a little, little more wisely, I think the we'd be amazed at how much that would change the world around us. Yeah. Even for ourselves, I'm glad you said that, Matt. That's something I, I've, I haven't really dwelt enough on, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I'm probably going to sit with that all week, the idea of the words that I say to myself. So we got to go, I think, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, but, guys, I've uh, really enjoyed this conversation about communication and language. I... Once we finally started communicating, it started going well. <laughs> That's all the time we have this week. Uh, I want to thank my friends, Father Chuck and Matt Wells, uh, for continuously uh, 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 being on the ball with their wisdom and their insight, and um, I'm trying, I'm trying to speak some words to you guys. I'm trying to communicate some words, some some nice words to you. Well, and that would be, I mean, that would be a good thing <laughs> because next week is Thanksgiving. Th- Thanksgiving. All right. We probably should have done a Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> I didn't even think I. I I don't like Thanksgiving, but I think that's why I've been thinking of it. Yeah. I, just, I like, I like that the Cowboys are going to beat uh, the Giants. That's what I like. Again. <laughs> uh, nine and one. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Are, are there any effective words you'd like to tell our listeners? I love you. You are loved. That's what I'm going to say to our listeners. You are loved. Matt, can you top that? Nah. <laughs> it's like you don't say nah, you say nah. I say whatever I want to say. Uh-huh. Do life together, uh, guys. Do life together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what an amazing episode we just had. It, it really amazing. is. Just, just. Uh, we didn't even talk about vocal fry or anything. Oh my god! It was uh, how did we forget about it? <laughs> I was gonna say we sound like. Like so many, just so many of the people we went to college with. Like I feel like I'm in some, I'm in some like dorm hall Bible study right now. God's just like just so, just we that should, whispery, that like be, whispery voice. God's just so like amazing, you know. Just God. You so, gotta close your eyes. I mean, yeah, that's smug, Close your eyes. It's just, it's just so. Like, Lots of just, yeah. Just, just, just. just. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for being here. Everyone, like, close your eyes right now. Can we do that? Can we? Can y'all just? Can y'all just do that? I think the, I think the words we we're speaking now. <laughs> yeah, we we're kind of tearing down. I think they're already. tearing down. <laughs> building up. You oh. can't, can't contain the awesomeness. I'm sorry. You had an. I just realized. Uh-huh. In talking about the words that we say, you know, instead of building up or tearing down, I realized that's a that's a lyric from the single from our friend Keelan O'Carroll with his song words oh yeah yeah which might Next make for a good I'm closing just... song word how about that um, us. i think we've already used that one actually i don't know no, that'd be a good one we'll, we'll do it whatever uh just because we love keelan again thank you so much for joining us join us next week um oh, I'm, do i have to do i have to keep doing these because I'm, I'm running out i don't join us uh next week when we talk about apple pie. Do you put cheddar on it or not? Ugh, that's so gross. That is so gross. What if, what if you put shredded cheese? Does that work? Shredded cheese? Yeah, you know, here's the thing. 
the idea of like the idea of cheese and like in my mind the idea of like cheddar cheese and apple pie sounds completely disgusting to me (laughs) but like whenever i've eaten at boston market i always dip my macaroni and cheese in the apples like i always order the apples on the side oh my goodness no 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 no. it's delicious no 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 no. next time you go to boston market get the macaroni and cheese not good anymore no no get the macaroni and cheese and get the sweet potato casserole and okay. mix mix those together. I promise you, you'll thank me okay. later. All right. Promise. I'll you. do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just mix them okay. together. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Join us next week. Good journey. Good journey. Goodbye. Words like poison, killer from the inside out. Words like a knife. Always cutting me down Not my own, just mine to wheel But take control, cause they can bruise or heal Always speak our words Well is there more than just words?